You're going to be a football player when you grow up. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, presented by Tequila Embajador. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I've been in football all my life. JR is in Philly. How you doing, JR? What's up, guys? What's up, Link? What's up, Vinny? Doing all right, man. Listen, listen, I was call I was gonna call and make my hardball point, but the last two callers made me switch my pitch up. <laughs> because I've been constantly hearing people talking about moving on from Carr and the reason is he's not elite and the one of the last callers said uh, after Herbert he's the third best quarterback in the division. But I want to ask Vinny this, but particularly Link, because Link, you've been in the locker rooms, you played in the league. Everybody is down on Carr to an extent because he's not elite. But if you look at the roughly now 20 years of dysfunction that this Raiders organization that we love have been putting out, how could anybody become elite in in this? Name me one quarterback that has reached elite status that has had to deal with constant dysfunction, turnover, and chaos. And that's what I don't understand. It's almost like we have an unfair double standard when it comes to Derek Carr. They can play he's not elite, but who could, be, who could become elite playing for this Raiders organization? That's the honest and sad truth about it. The fact that we all thought that once Gruden and Mayock got together, Gruden had that 10-year contract, oh, this is going to be great, finally some stability. And three years later, we're talking about another coach in the GM. That is, that's been the Raiders. That's been the Raiders. How can any quarterback have sustained or high-level success? Look at, look at uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers took over for a Hall of Fame quarterback. He fell into a good situation. Patrick Mahomes has the softest landing spot I've ever seen from a quarterback picked in the top ten. He went to a division winner. He got to sit and learn while they won the division again. And then when, by the time he took his first snap as the full-time starter, he had three All-Pros, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and at the time, Kareem Hunt. He had an all-time quarterback guru, an offensive genius, and, and Andy Reid. And people wonder why he's having the success he's had. And he had a great offensive line at that time, too. Uh, I'm not sitting here comparing – uh, that was a great call, uh, Jr. And, and 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 I agree. And all you really have to do is name me all the quarterbacks since you know uh, since Rich Gannon and in between Rich Gannon and Derek Carr. If you want your answer to that question, not many can be that had the chance to be that great. And just look at how long it took to get a respectable and an above average. I'm, is he elite? To me, elite is Patrick Mahomes and, and Aaron Rodgers and and, uh, and and Tom Brady. No, there's not many guys like that. But can you win with him? One thousand percent. And uh, I think it's it, it, you have to do right by him and build uh, a, a good enough team around him. And if you do, and it doesn't have to be the you know Green Bay Packers of Vince Lombardi or anything like that. Just put together a team that makes sense. And Lincoln, I thought that. John um, was was actually on his way to doing that, and if you look at the stats, at least Derek Carr had the best four years of his career under John Gruden. Yeah, well, yeah, like I said, or in the last hour, there are plenty of reasons to keep Derek Carr. There are also you can make some solid arguments that you should look elsewhere. Um, but in my opinion, he's not the top of your list, the top of your priority list. 
of you, of you, issues of issues. I mean, you obviously you have to decide what. Look, his if his agent is worth a damn, he's going to come in and demand some stability or to to understand his his his, his client's future. He's going to ask for an extension. He's going to ask for you know guaranteed money. He's going to ask for that if he's worth a damn. With one year left and there's no guaranteed money, he would be foolish. He, he would be erroneous representation if he doesn't. So you have to make up your mind whether or not you're going to stay with him. But, again, I say that that's not the top of their priority list. It really isn't. I, I think you need a fresh outlook because you have a running game. Because when King and Drake comes back, even if you decide to, to say with Jalen Richard or just you know add another piece or whatever it is uh, at the running back spot, you've got a decent running game already in place. You have to fine-tune the offensive line. There's no doubt about it. So you have to address that no matter what you do at quarterback or who you stand for. So there are other places to go, but you've got stability. You've got playmakers. You you, you finally found a slot receiver that you can keep forever, uh, you know, in Hunter Renfro. You've got that weapon in Darren Waller who's underpaid, so you probably have to redo his contract to make him a little bit more secure. But you got to find an next receiver. There's no doubt about it. Um, but you've got pieces. You've got guys like that show that they can play the position or show that they can, they can go out there and do the job. You might not be in love with Zay Jones, might not be in love with his speed, but he I think he's he's useful in oh, his yeah, offense. So, definitely. Um you know, so there there are pieces and places. The least that you have to concern yourself with is the quarterback. And so if you decide to stay with him, if you decide if they the Raiders do decide to stay with him, I think they, the least they could do is bring in a, a new offensive coordinator to give him a fresh outlook. Yeah, and um I I like I think that that is going to happen. I think that there's going to be. I, I I think they move on. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, I, I I think they uh, you know that they go in a different direction at head coach. I could be completely wrong. Uh, really quick though, Lincoln, you you mentioned the offensive line. Um, we're not here to take anybody's job away or anything like that. But if you were in charge with this offensive line, and let's assume that they find a replacement for Brandon Parker. I think Brandon Parker could still be the um, now more than ever could still be maybe, uh, you know, a credible swing tackle for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think he's a starter, not on an elite team or an elite offense. So let's assume that the Raiders get that fixed. What, what are you looking for this uh, from this? Uh, and everything else stays intact on that offensive line. What exactly would be your plan to make sure that this offensive line is better next year? Short of the upgrade at right tackle, I'm talking about schematically and fundamentally, uh, what would be your change that you would make in order to put this offensive line in a better position to succeed? Well, I would definitely see the health of, of Denzel Good, the possibility. I would move right. on for Richie Incognito. Yeah, yeah. But I think Denzel Good is one that you can probably keep who's serviceable. Right. I don't know if he's I don't know if he would be a good tackle in this division. I don't I haven't seen enough. I've I've seen him move, you know, a little bit when he was playing sort of swing and doing stuff uh, the year before last with for Trent Brown and stuff like that. But I, I just haven't seen enough to say that I, I think that he could be out. So you have to find a right tackle. I think that has to be addressed. In depth. I think that you need to find out what you got out of Lester Cotton, uh, his ability, um, and as well as, as what you have, I think you move on from Nick Martin. Um, not Nick Martin, the other one. Was that, was that the Houston backup that we signed, the Houston that never saw the field? Yeah, Nick Martin. Was Okay, so I, I think you, you kind of move on him because you had the, the, the guy that you drafted from Pittsburgh last year. I think he's, he's serviceable. So No, no, he's no longer here. Oh, he's gone. No, Morrissey? he got. Uh, yeah, Morrissey he got, got picked, picked up, up off the practice squad. Okay, so then you keep Nick Martin because you got to have depth. Um, but I do think Brandon Parker is, is is a swing is a swing guy. So with that being said, there's not much. You just have to you have to address the right tackle position. But um, fundamentally or, or scheme wise, is there something that you would like to see them do differently? Than- oh, oh, there's well, I mean, 
fundamentally, I think that you need to have a committed offseason with, with Alex Leatherwood. Yep. Because if he's going to be your guard or if you want to move forward and keep him inside, he definitely needs training. I think I think he can be improved. He can be improved upon, but he, you have to work. I saw some improvement at Dornsey towards the end of the season out of his play. But he needs a long extended offseason and he needs to be coached up like there's no tomorrow. All right. So uh, understanding that, you know, you, you only have a certain amount of time that you can work with these guys during the offseason. We understand okay. that. Um is there somewhere you could send him to, recommend him going to, um, to, 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 to really be able to, to get some high caliber, uh, fundamental, whatever, the, whatever kind of teaching you think he needs? Is there a place that you can send an NFL offensive lineman to hone their game in the offseason? The first thing I would do is sign him up in a boxing gym. That's the first thing I would do, and I pay for all it, and then I would find some. I pay for it. I pay for well, it. You hear it here. I'm going to. I'm I'm going to get it. I'm not saying as Lincoln Kennedy pay for it. I'm not. But I'm just saying if I'm the Raiders, I'll pay for it. I don't know. Pay, if that's you know what I don't know I'm if that's allowed. Well, <laughs> under the salary. Hey, well, hey, you know, there's. I would strongly urge him. Yeah, there are people that you don't ha- don't have to know about. They, they still can find things to do. Okay, so they don't have to know everything. Um, but you know, I I mean, I would definitely take it up, and I would find you know a solid offensive line coach to work with him personally. I would. I would That's take somebody to hire somebody. At. You know, not somebody. Doesn't Willie Anderson have something? Doesn't he have like a uh, a lineman camp or something? I'm like sure that? there are out there. I mean, I know that. Well, whoa, Jackie Lincoln. Slater. Jackie Slater had one for ever at Azusa Pacific. I don't know if it's still going on. We need to start the Lincoln Kennedy Academy. I'm not coaching. Not you don't have to coach. You can you can lend a hand at a camp. Yeah, maybe maybe make a little bit of money. Too, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that'd be, but you put your name on it and hustle. get out there and say a few things and I got some give a rah speech. Yeah, yeah, write but I mean, the twenty thousand yeah, yeah, dollar yeah, check right there, here. There, there are there are places. I'm sure there are places out there. And if not there, I mean, they, they can be easily created. But there are guys who are close that just need to be worked with. Yeah. And under the current CBA, you're right. The NFL coaches can't do it, but. You know, there are ways that you that you can work around. All right, we talked about fundamentals. Now, the, this is what I'm trying to get at. Did you feel like this offensive line schematically was utilized correctly, or is there a different way that you would have, you know, zone blocking, whatever kind of blocking scheme that you think? They got into a rhythm in the last six games of the season. Five games of the season. Right. I, I, I take out the Kansas City game. The last five games of the season, they got into a rhythm. And it was a rhythm that was productive and that you could see growth and you could see you could see progression out of. That's what you want. That's what you talk about when you talk about chemistry. You that that that, that needs to happen. You have to play together. You have to take the ups and downs, the wins and losses, the you know, willy lump lumps and everything else, and you have to move forward. And I thought they did that in the final five games, especially the final four games. Because there was times where the the, the protection was a little bit more solid, the run game was a little bit more solid. Um, you know, the, the, the truth of the matter, and I, I said this on countless broadcasts when I was when I was calling the games, the Raiders were better running downhill than running stretch plays, and it showed. It was it, it, the progression showed for Josh Jacobs running straight downhill in that Charger game. He was running straight downhill. He wasn't running sideline to sideline, running straight downhill, and they were more productive, you know, blocking and generating momentum that way with the run game. The passing game was coming together as as well as it did. There were solid times. So schematically, I thought they were fine. It's just taking time to learn how to play together. Yeah. Uh, if they were to make an offensive line um, coaching change, uh, boy, I would look to uh, Aaron Cromer. He was on the Rams staff. Uh, was he? Uh, Cromer coached the Raiders, too. Uh, he was my head coach. He, he was my offensive line coach when the Super Bowl. What did you think of Aaron Cromer? I liked Cromer. 
Cromer was a good guy. Great teacher. Yeah, he 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 brought along the, a lot of the philosophy that Bill Callahan had before him, the predecessor before him, and I think he kind of took that to other teams. But he was a great offensive line coach. Yeah, and uh, it was the the Rams went in a different direction, but he was there when they went to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would like always go over to his group um, during practice just to listen, man, because yeah. you know I was like, wow, this dude. He had a, a great way about him. So you know, just something to uh, to, to consider. Um, Art is on the line. How you doing, Art? Hey, how you doing? How y'all doing? Good, good, good. Wonderful, wonderful. All right. Yeah, I just want to chime in real quick. Um, I, you know, I like to have the season, how we finished it off. It was pretty good. I wish we could have won that game. You know, there's a lot of errors that went bad in that game. And uh, I think we could have won it, yeah. But it is what it is. Uh, I hopefully, hopefully the Raiders uh, give Car- uh, Carter a new contract. You know, I am down for him staying with the Raiders. Not fully interested in the Russell thing, to be honest, as a fan. I've been a long-time Raider fan. I watched Lee Kennedy get down back in the day. It was awesome. Um, but, yeah, it's, I think the Raiders are not that far away of being a uh, to go back to the clouds, but also say, making a, a good run to the big game. You know, just get another replace Ruggs, a, a speedster, one or two fast guys like him on the team, and, an, uh, and a, another running back, maybe add on someone that was a, like a familiar – very McFadden type player, you know, without the injuries. <laughs> but anyways, I just want to. I think the Raiders are pretty good. Uh, are pretty good in the squad. Hope they make the right decision on the coaching. You know, I do like Versace, but I do like the name Jim Harbaugh. You know, and a couple other ones. It's just kind of hard right now, and I, I feel for Versace and the Raiders, and they want to keep them. And that's you know, I I, I don't want to mess that up. Whatever they feel and how they want it, you know, I think was will be best for the team, but end of the day, Mark Davis has the final say, and he's going to do what his best, what he feels what's best. I appreciate the call, uh, Art. Thank you very much. Um, and and Lincoln, yeah, getting back to the wide receiver, I think it's like, yeah, you want a fast guy, no doubt. I mean, that's what Ruggs uh, was, uh, what he represented. But gosh, you know, you just look around the league at some of these young wide receivers that have that have come into the league, the Justin Jeffersons, uh, uh, Jamar Chase, these guys that just are expert route runner get open kind of guys I, I wouldn't you know I'd, and 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 you know they're fast enough they're they, they may not be four two four three but they're definitely fast enough and they get open and and you don't have to be that speed burner all the time you don't always have to look for that to have quality at wide receiver look at cooper cup look at hunter renfro these guys well they're different receivers though they are but no and and but but what i'm saying is i think the raiders Instead of go, you know, like specifically looking for Henry Ruggs's replacement, I think maybe find a wide receiver that can, you know, has a chance. Well, cha- well you, okay. So, and I don't want to cut me to cut you off, but when you're talking about what this team needs, this team needs an X. You see what I'm saying? It needs an X receiver. That's what Henry Ruggs was. He was an X receiver. Do you think he, that they already? I mean, do you think they also need like? Are you good with Edwards being? Well, Edwards is the, is the Z. Right. I think Edwards, we, he, we've seen flashes out of him at times. And to be fair, I don't really think they utilized him as, as well as they could with the, with, the, with the play calls that they had or established to him. They tried to get the ball to him. I, but I, I think that the Z is serviceable with what you have already in the roster. I would try to see if Zay Jones can play the Z or just has a little bit of a changeup because I like Zay. You see what I'm saying? But they need an X receiver. Um, and that's specifically what we're talking about. That's a Henry Ruggs. What's Odell Beckham? Odell Beckham is an X. 
So just like just like Deshaun Jackson is an ex. All right, so he, he he's going to be a free agent. You don't want Beckham. <laughs> Why? Headache. Don't want Beckham. Don't need a headache. Don't I haven't. I've heard just great things about him in yeah, Los Angeles. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Well, because he's on a chain. It's, he's on the most successful team he was for. For then he wasn't this his only second playoff game. Well, I mean, we're, if we're if we're, if we're if we're talking about the Raiders being right yeah. there, he'd yeah. be in a very good situation here. Yeah, but I'm I'm saying, what you, there are other places that you can move on. Who would you much rather have? What's Devontae Adams? Adams? X X. Okay, but he actually plays. They they move him. They around. move him around. Yeah. yeah, but he's mainly an X. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, none of those, and you're, that that's the role that Henry Ruggs was playing, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think that those two guys, guys like Devontae Adams, are much more well-rounded than Henry was. Well, I know in a heartbeat they would go after Devontae if they could. Yeah. Especially if they keep Derek. Right. They're old Fresno State mm-hmm. uh, alums. That would be the connection. Exactly. You have Derek make that call. And I know that Derek has said that he would love to have Devontae Adams, and I know Devontae Adams has said that he would love to play for Derek Carr. It's all out there. Just that's go. a marriage made in heaven, if it's a possibility. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Like you, <laughs> and he's not. He's not the Olympian speedster that that Ruggs was. But no, but he. But he's like Diggs. He's a creative route runner. He knows how to I'm get talking over. Talking about, and he has a great yes. burst. Yes, he doesn't have breakaway speed, but he has a great burst. So right. when he gets open. There's that window that Aaron Rodgers exploits the hell out of um, with, with guys like Devontae Adams because they know he's going to be open. Exactly. Especially one-on-one coverage. Right. And I think and so if, if they can somehow you know, be able to bring somebody like that in, can you imagine Lincoln playing off of Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro? And well, it goes back to the time when they thought they had Antonio Brown because they because Gruden created packages specifically for Antonio Brown, who also plays X. Right, and let's 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 before Lincoln gets in trouble here. He's also available. He is nowhere near it, like like De- Devontae Adams just won an award with the no, media. You know, no, yeah, like you're right not, about that. They, 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 I mean, I'm not saying they're close. I'm just talking about X receiver yes, comparisons. Yes, exactly, That's all I'm exactly. Like if if Antonio Brown uh, had the mentality of or any mental. <laughs> Besides skew, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole. Right, I wouldn't right. touch him if I wouldn't put him on my enemy's team. I wouldn't. <laughs> yes, I'm with, with you. So, so you you get the the polar opposite in terms of a human being and mentally and all that opposite. from Devonte Adams, but <laughs> but somebody every just as good or even better, really, uh, and and. I think that fits perfectly with what the Raiders already have. It makes it just – it takes that whole thing to another level. Can you imagine the the, the freedom that a Hunter Renfro uh, would have? Um, all three of those guys. And you could stick with the Brian Edwards in that situation. That's not, it's not a bad thing to have him there. Or, like you said, could Zay Jones be that guy uh, at that position? Uh, I think you're in a really strong position. But first and foremost, you got to go get Devontae Adams, and that would sure help that offense. Uh, be a little bit more explosive, a little bit more uh, consistent um, if you have that kind of talent uh, on hand. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignore and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Wednesday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now back to your hosts, Vinny Bonsignore and Lincoln Kennedy. Right here, the game's over. It's over. This is bad moment for me. Lost the football. It's on the ground. That looks like the face of defeat right there. That'll be an automatic review. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind. It's a horrible rule. The stupid rule. That was the rule. 
No, no, that's a no, no, no. Wow, that really just happened. If you can't overcome it, maybe you don't really deserve to be a championship team anyway. The Super Bowls all happened because it wasn't a fumble. It was a fumble. I'll never believe anything different. You're damn right I'm mad about them. That call really changed the trajectory of yeah. like our whole world. No one would have ever heard of Tom if it wasn't for that night. Had a tuck rule never happened, a lot of people would look back and think, well, what if? Lincoln Kennedy, I have to ask, man. Did you recognize my voice? I, I said nobody would have known who Tom Brady was. Uh, okay. That was me. <laughs> Maybe we would. <laughs> okay. Um, if that doesn't happen, if that play goes your way, we still would have heard about Tom. No, you wouldn't. Honestly, I'm, 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 not, I'm not exaggerating. I seriously believe that because uh, at the time, Belichick was still in all Drew Bledsoe. Right. And I honestly felt because the tuck, rule game, the tuck game happened, okay, um, and they went on and they, they beat Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh and won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady based on the defense. He didn't have a stellar game. Look at his stats. I'm not taking anything away from the man that he's become. I'm saying what would have happened if he if it wasn't for the tuck rule game. I don't think we would have heard of Tom Brady because it wasn't until after that season when he decided to deal to, 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 to go on from Drew Bledsoe, to move on from him. It was after that season he won a Super Bowl. He's like, okay, we, I think we've got a quarterback. We can move on from the higher price guy. And that's when they moved past it. Yeah. Um, by the way, I, <laughs> we're going to get into the, the tuck rule and everything like that. But you know what I what people kind of forget is the Patriots went to Pittsburgh, I believe, right? And they yep. beat they beat they beat the Pittsburgh. Steelers in Pittsburgh. All yeah. right. So I'll never forget this. I'm you know watching that game on television, and Don Shula had the um, it was it was his year to to give the winning team the AFC Championship mm-hmm. trophy and all that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It was in Pittsburgh. Right. It might have been Three River Stadium too, or yeah, um, River, yeah Three River Stadium. Mm-hmm. And so, imagine being in Pittsburgh. Nobody wants to see that damn ceremony, right? <laughs> you know, so there was nobody left in the stands. And but I give, I always give Don Shula credit because he played that thing up like you know he didn't care that there was nobody. I'm gonna make sure that this was a celebration. And he's like the David Chief Championship, you know, to the New England Patriots. You know, he has this big smile mm-hmm. on his face. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're in Pittsburgh. Nobody is like everyone <laughs> is cussing at you right now or leaving. Right. So anyway, um, but I got to ask you. Uh, you, and you, you could absolutely be right. I mean, maybe maybe uh, Bledsoe gets the job next year and Tom Brady is out of the league in, in three or four years. That's definitely uh, could have happened. But what were your – you're over there on the sidelines and you saw this. First thought that comes into your head, Lincoln Kennedy, as you watched that play unfold. Okay. So backtrack. Here's a – what is it? The 25th, 20th anniversary of the damn Tuck Rules? Uh, yeah. Getting tired of these yeah, anniversaries. January 19th. Last year was the 19th anniversary. Yeah, so anyways. <laughs> um, so the play happened. We saw the fumble. We ran on the field. Offense ran on the field. And right when we were about to huddle up, we saw Walt Coleman whistle that this play is under review. I then walked back to what would be the now the, the hash mark in front of the Raiders bench. I was standing next to Charles Woodson along with Greg Beaker. Time out, real quick. What were the um, what were the uh, review ru- rules at that point? Well, the review rules is that it had to come from New York. I mean, because it was right. under two minutes, so we all knew that. Okay. I used to pride myself on knowing the rules. Yeah, 
So I'd never even heard of this whole tuck rule before <laughs> it, it happened or never knew anything about it. Um, so, uh, again, go back, and I'm, I'm standing at the hash mark yep. in front of the Raiders bench, okay. and we're looking up at the big jumbotron. And Charles is is pissed. Charles is like, what are they bleeping reviewing? What did, what the heck is going on? Fumble. It's a fumble. And I'm looking at it like, dude, looks like a fumble to me. What could they possibly remember? And I remember these words from Greg Beaker because it, it just resonates in my mind. He says, where the Raiders are going to find a way to take it from us. <sighs> and I looked at Greg. I was like, how are they going to take it from us? It's a fumble. Right. You know what? It, the ball's come, clearly knocked out. It's on the ground. And then when Walt Coleman came back and he said the he said talked about the rule, how the quarterback's arm was going forward and he was pulling it down, it was an incomplete pass. I was like, that is a ton of BS. Um, I, everybody on the sideline was cussing. We were, but it took all the air out of our sails on the Raiders sideline. Totally deflated right. us. We never got the ball back. Obviously, the history as it is, kicked a field goal, went in overtime, and they got the kickoff. They went down and kicked the field goal, game over, and so. I remember going in the locker room, and that was the last time Gruden actually coached me. Uh, it was after that game. I'm going into the locker room, and I said, you know, uh, Gruden said, they'll never let you win as Raiders. They will always take it from you. And that was actually my motivation for the following year because as a captain, I went out with the demeanor, and I, I preached this to every player that was on the Raider team the following year. We are not going to let the refs take anything. We're going to beat the living snot out of everybody we Right. Play. Right, we, you know, and it, that was one of them. They were one of them. And I'm going to Super Bowl that year, uh, so um, that 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 game, that game, that game forever changed. And I talked about it in the thirty thirty for thirty for thirty that comes on on ESPN. I talked about how the organizations went in different directions after that night. You go back to Gillette Stadium now, and you walk through their their their. What is it? Booster halls, whatever the hell they call them. The Hall the, of the, Fame. The, yeah, or, I mean yeah. everything. The, you know, the, the Walk yeah, the of stadium. Fame and all that. All you see is remnants of that night, of that of that fateful night. The snow, the snow coming down. You see pictures of Brady. You see pictures of all their other stars. You know, Mr. Clutch, Vinatieri. All of that's that's just on their walls, right? Because that was the night that the, you know, that was the last game that was played at that old stadium, and then the following year they opened up Gillette. With a Super Bowl victory. Oh, that was at Foxborough. That's right. Yeah, it was last oh, Foxborough. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. I, I just remember watching it on TV. It's like, what? Wait, Tuck rule? Like, it was it was almost like they the were only making one. up. You weren't the only one. <laughs> yeah, they were they were kind of making up rules. Um, you know, uh, as as they go along, and it's just to to have. A game like that taken away from you. Uh, by the way, that's DeMond, exactly the way I felt. That's exactly the way I felt. What Lincoln? What link? Sorry about that, but because mm-hmm. we've been having this ongoing debate about uh, he doesn't believe that there's momentum uh, in oh sports. All right, so having the sales taken out of you—that's the reverse of momentum, uh, Demond, uh, where it literally can affect you even in an averse way. So, like he just said, like you're just deflated, but you can. You know, momentum could work the other way where you're just all of a sudden, you know, just raring to go. But uh, you had a question, Devon? Yeah, Lincoln, somebody posed this on Twitter, so I'm going to ask him, give a shout-out to Big Deuce. He wants to know, like, is there a game that you wish you had back? But I'm going to spin it in a different direction because, obviously, you could have it back. But which game would you rather have back more or if you could change the outcome? The tuck rule game or the champ- or the conference championship the year before against the Ravens? What about the they Super Bowl? Out- well, yeah, the Super Bowl. I feel like Lincoln, they – I feel I feel like Lincoln and everybody on that team knew they know our playbook. We're screwed here. Well, well, we didn't know it going into it. We right. had a contingency plan. I mean, if there was a game that I could do over again, I would love to do the Super Bowl. Right, right. And have more time to plan for it. You know, the, the funny thing, 
And people have asked me about that 2000 Raven game. The funny thing about that is that I look back on that and I don't, you know, I didn't realize, well, I knew at the time um, we didn't know how good we were because the two years before we had went eight and eight. Right. And then the following the, you know, that year, 2000, all of a sudden we find ourselves with, well, I can't remember what the record was, 12 and four, or whatever it was. Yeah, you were good. But, but, but we ended up hosting the AFC Championship game. And it was much like Vinny, you were talking about at the beginning of the playoff scenarios, that there's a way the Raiders can end up hosting the game and find themselves. And I said, boy, that would be a big turn of events if it happened that way. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, we, and, and, and in the Baltimore game, we took into the Baltimore game, we had the number one rushing offense. I remember that. We were number yep. one rushing offense in the league. The Ravens were the number one rushing defense in the league. We, we had Tim Brown, but we didn't really have a lot of passing weapons. So Rich Gannon wasn't really throwing the ball like that. wasn't didn't have a prolific passing year. So we were a run first team, and I was upset the fact that when I look back on that game, we didn't have a contingency plan. If they stuffed the run, what were we going to do? Right. Because we just kept hit, trying to hit our head on the wall, hit our head on the wall. And the difference was was that long pass to Shannon Sharp for a touchdown. That was the difference in the game. Was Everything that the else Saragossa game? Yes. Yeah. I remember being. I yeah. was with a pack of Raider fans, man, at a party. Mm-hmm. My friend threw a uh, like a you know just a house party. And whoa, man! Yeah. When that play happened, there was just oh yeah, those guys w- w- were ready to get in their cars and drive up to Oakland <laughs> and find Zaragoza <laughs> and take care of business. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that scored. was just a dirty play. Yeah, uh, and and that's what you know, again, that's what we were we were dealing with uh, at the time. So you know, that year happened. And we were like, oh, we got a good football team. The next year happened. That was the Tuck Rule year, and. And I explained it in the book, so I know Paul's going to be mad at me if I give all this. I was just going to say, yeah, it's all in the book. As our good friend Paul Gutierrez would say, it's in the book. It's in the book. He's reading the book. (laughs) He needs to write another chapter. Glad to get these if these walls could talk. There you go. (laughs) There you go. It's It's in the book. It's so funny that you should say that because like we'd be we'll be in the media room working, you know, and like I'll say to Paul something like Paul, man, because I know that he's the he's the uh, area expert on the writers. Yeah. You know what happened in that? What was that one thing? He's like, Vinny. It's in the book. <laughs> you know, he always gives me the answer, but it's anytime ever, anyone yeah. ever asks a question about the Raiders, it's in the book. You know, yeah. all right, yeah. yes, it's but in the book. It, but, but you know, I, I the conspiracy theorists in me was going crazy years <laughs> after that because it was the year of nine eleven, and I just felt they the the, the 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 NFL wanted to recognize the Patriots as the oh, you know as right. the world champions. Right. I remember and that. Then, yeah, you know, sort of along the the, the year that the Saints won. The NFL championship was on the hills after Hurricane Katrina yes. decimated the town, and people were trying to think the Saints were going on, on their way out. All of a sudden, the Saints win the Super Bowl. That sort of re-energizes that organization. So, I mean, things happen. Yeah, I've they, never heard these conspiracies before. Never? Really? No, no. The Patriots one, I remember, yeah, because yeah. you weren't – how well, old yeah, were you? I, I was four, so I yeah. mean, it was deep like, diving like, on the conspiracy theory. Training. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, like it, it, we were hurting as a country at that time. Oh, yeah. Like, like oh, that yeah. was a sucker punch that happened yeah. uh, on that day, and and everybody felt it um, because it was just. I still remember where I was and all that. Um, so yeah, the Patriots with their colors, and mm-hmm. they were the Patriots for crying out loud, and they came out of they came out of nowhere. As that was well. their first Super Bowl win. Yeah, they, you know what I mean. They've right. been crushed by the Bears many years before when they played. And, yeah. And so yeah, the Patriots were just a team, man. Mm-hmm. Like they were just a oh, you know they yep. every once in a while they'll get to the playoffs, you know, and uh, but they're not you know they made the, that one Super Bowl. Yeah. Was. Tony Eason or Grogan, I forget. He, I, I met, can't remember who it yeah, was. Um, I just remember the Bears didn't mop them up. Right. So, um, yeah, uh, but 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 uh, I, I do remember that, and the, the Patriots were a big story, and obviously, like you said, the Saints uh, were a big story. So, by the way, did you just I, – I, I just saw a story um, 
the uh, the Colts coach when they played the uh, in, when they played the uh, the New Orleans Saints in the Super Bowl, uh, mm-hmm. Tony Dungy. Mm-hmm. All right, and this is where coaching sometimes matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that it doesn't, but in this case, it does. And he was talking about uh, the year that the Colts played the Bears in the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, he's talking about how Devin Hester is the Chicago Bears, um, you know, great, great, right. probably a Hall of Fame uh, return guy, kick return guy, and they're going into the game, and the whole plan was not to kick to him, not to kick to him, not to kick to him, don't kick it to Devin Hester, right? And so Tony Dungy <laughs> admits this, says, you know, like about a day or so, two days before the game, I'm like, wait a minute. Are we just scared of Devin Hester? No, is that no, what? you're missing out the, the important part there is that the team chaplain gave a speech about, like, not being afraid okay, of, yeah. of anybody. There and, you go. Like, they're not Goliath. Right. And then he was so moved by the team chaplain giving that speech. So, so, so Tony, yes, and, and, and so Tony Dungy, the head coach, starts thinking, are, is our approach to Devin Hester showing fear for somebody? Like, are we afraid of this guy? And he said, like, I, we can't be afraid of one player type of thing. You know, I'm kind of kind of uh, paraphrasing right. what he's saying. Right. He's not Goliath. He's not Goliath. You know, like, we're going to, and, and damn it, we're going to kick to him now. Touchdown on the opening. <laughs> and he's like, what a mistake that was. But it, it's like, it's it, you know, you can't coach like that. Like, you have to do the common sense thing, not the tough guy thing all the time. You know what I'm saying? So Look, to me, and to your point, Vinny, Coaching is being smart. Right. Okay. It's just, it, don't overthink it. Just look at the facts. Understand that there are guys who get paid on the other side of the field. Yeah, right. Your guys are not always going to be able to dominate your guys. I mean, and if a guy needs help, you get him help. Right. You know, you don't have a, you don't have a Lawrence Taylor over there and like, okay, tackle, just line up and we're going to block it. We're just right. going to take it. Yeah. I remember one, one, the, the biggest, to me, biggest coaching errors. Is when when um and may he rest in peace. Um, oh goodness, now I'm drawing a blank on his name. Who we got? It was the head coach of 1997, um, offensive line coach. I'm drawing a blank of, was, um, of the Raiders because we we played. Anyways, um, and uh, Joe Bugle. Joe okay. Bugle, yeah. Joe Bugle, may he rest in peace. He was a great offensive line yes, coach, he was. a great friend. I just lost my, my train of thought for a moment. Yep. We went into Kansas City. Pat Harlow was a left tackle. I was a right tackle. We were playing against Derek Thomas. Now, I can't remember who our offensive coordinator was that year, but I remember the whole week going up to Kansas City. It's like, we're not going to do seven-step drops because we had Jeff George at quarterback. We're not going to do seven-step drops. I'm like, fine, good, because we've got Derek Thomas out there. Us tackles have to block (laughs) him. I don't need seven-step drops. Let's do three- and five-step drops. Let's try to run the ball. I don't want to sit there and try to back up all the time against Derek Thomas. Long story short, I think Derek Thomas might have had a record-breaking day with five or six sacks (laughs) that game. I know his all-time record was, I think it was eight and right. he played in Seattle, the, the Seattle game. But the point was is that we were doing seven-step drops, and I'm going over the sideline, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> he was over Pat Harlow, and they didn't have anybody to help him because we didn't have any 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 parts of our line to either slide or, or help chip because we didn't have that part of designed in our offense. What was so the like, motivation? Just was he just, Well, that's just, it was just a little a level of arrogance. Oh, yes. we can take advantage of him in the secondary, so let's do these second these seven-step drops and we can get throw the ball downfield. No. We ended up getting our asses kicked because you were so stupid to call seven-step drops. You're that, getting your left tackle killed. That is the perfect use of the word arrogant, by the mm-hmm. way, uh, because mm-hmm. that epitomizes uh, arrogant. And by the way, Jeff George could sling it, man. I don't oh, know. he could. Oh, he could. That good dude could throw. I mean, I, there were some other parts. I don't know what you felt about uh, Jeff George. Well, uh, I had him at Atlanta and, and, and Oakland. It was yeah. funny in Oakland because Gruden did not like him. Oh, well, I he, <laughs> He wouldn't be the first coach that didn't like <laughs> Jeff George. There was some quirkiness to that yeah. dude. 
uh, without a doubt. But when it comes to pure arm talent, oh my goodness gracious, oh, yeah. that guy could throw it. By the way, Lincoln Kennedy, you like dogs, right? I love dogs. You're a, you're a dog person. Well, um, I don't know about you, uh, but if maybe you have some friends or any listeners that are that are out there that uh, are into French bulldogs. And by the way, they're one of the more popular dogs on the face of the earth right now. If you are a uh, fan or maybe uh, uh, inquiring about a Frenchie, as they call them, uh, they're wildly popular dogs known for known for being sleek, excellent city dogs. They have a playful and an intelligent demeanor. They love people. They love other pets. Um, and if you are looking for uh, a French bulldog, look no further because Raider puppies are here in Las Vegas. And they are AKC registered. They've received all their health certificates, uh, all that type of stuff. They're surrounded, these puppies, by love from day one. Love and care. So you know you're getting a great uh, little dog uh, if, you, if you wanted to go shopping for a French uh, bulldog with Raider puppies. But if you are, we got you hooked up. Call or text 702-374-5040 to inquire about a French bulldog. Uh, tell them Vinny sent you. Um, you will love them. I have one, Francisco. I was gone for a few days, going to Cincinnati, came back home. The dude looked like he grew, you know, like uh, he, he looked like a different dog. Uh, it's so cool to watch the progress and everything like that, and a great little dog. So, again, 702 374 5040 to look for if you want a French Bulldog. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Wednesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Vinny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Charles is in Kentucky. How you doing, Charles? Hey, I'm doing good, Vinny. Hey, I, I disagree with you all a little bit today. I I actually think this season was a disappointment to me. I think this team was a lot better than, than what everybody thought. And I also think that if we traded Derek Carr, and I'm not saying we should or shouldn't, I have no idea, I can't predict the future, but I don't think it has to be a complete rebuild. I don't know why we're so down on Marcus Mariota. You know, he does have a playoff win. And uh, I don't know, if we've, I've never heard anybody mention that, but this guy actually won a playoff game. And... Uh, I think with the right offensive coordinator and a really, if we draft a really good running back, we could still be contenders. And Carr, the last four games, I mean, the Colts game, we should have put them away early, the Chargers game. I think Carr was part of the problem that they stayed in the game. And I'm, I'm not knocking on him. You know, I'm a Raider fan. He's my favorite quarterback, long as he's a Raider. But i just seen a lot of stuff. I almost think because Gruden wasn't there, he was allowed to play too much and a lot of stuff there that I just, just just didn't make sense to me. I thought we should have done better. And when I hear that the Bengals are more talented, us Jason Burrow, and that's it. Everybody else, you know, they don't have a Max Crosby. They don't have a, a Josh Jacobs as good as Mixon. Their offensive line really isn't better than ours. They don't have Darren Waller. So I, they keep saying how much more talented the Bengals team is. Yeah, and Chase and Burrow, yes. But other than that, where do you go? How how are they? That much more talented than us. So. Well, that's yeah. That's why it came down to one play. <laughs> yeah, I thought they. I felt like they were, you know, um, right there with the Bengals, and and that proved to be uh, the case. I, I'll say this, um, you know. You, 
when you say that Derek Carr maybe had too much leeway, um, you know, after John uh, resigned and you know uh, uh, making some calls, changes along along the line of scrimmage, people need to remember Lincoln. That Denver game and that Philadelphia game, not long after, um, you know, they kind of settled down after the Gruden um, situation. Remember, they lost the Chicago Bears. Um, I thought that was heavy on their mind. It was it had just hit uh, at that moment. And remember, they played kind of a weird, bad game in that Chicago Bears game. But the next two weeks, they were really good offensively, and they 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 won in relative blowouts against the uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and the Denver Broncos. That was when Henry Ruggs was there, when Darren Waller was was completely healthy, um, when they had bo- both of their running backs uh, were, were, were there, their defense was playing well. That offense was functioning at a high level at that point. They go to the bye week, and when they got back from the bye week, Lincoln, no more Henry Ruggs. It took a while to get that thing figured out. And then in the meantime, at some point, Darren Waller goes down too, so it's it's the, the fall off on offense. I think was personnel related, not how Derek Carr was "quote unquote" playing. I just think that the offense got dinged up big time with some personnel losses. If you remember when we talked about it, I said that um, <clears throat> I made statements throughout the year that a weapon's not a weapon if you don't use it. And the thing is, is that I think that there had to be a level of trust that Derek had to find with his offensive line a level of chemistry uh, with the receiving core after Henry Ruggs was gone, and it took some time. He relied heavily on Darren Waller to start the season. He developed a rapport, even more rapport, with Hunter Renfro, noticeably so. And there were times, there were blatant times where Derek was eyeballing Hunter Renfro to get open and had nowhere else to go with the football than that. My biggest criticism of Derek this year, especially when it comes to changing the plays. Now, he's always had the wherewithal with the check with me system to do that. My biggest criticism is when there's seven seconds left or eight seconds left or less than 10 seconds left on a play clock, you go up and you try to change the play. You can't do that. That, that is not, that's a bonehead move. You can't do, you don't audible then because it takes too much communication. Your offensive line has to get communication. Your receivers have to get communication. You don't have time for you to go up and have to, and especially at opposing stadiums, visiting stadiums, for you to tell everybody to play, you don't have enough time to do that. So that causes more trouble than it's worth. Um, again, I don't that, think that Derek Philadelphia is a Eagles game with a, with a complete offense. All the well, the, the Eagles 31 game, of 34 for 323 yards. The Eagles game is one of those games where I said his accuracy set him apart. And now all, that's what I would give Derek credit for. He is one of the more accurate quarterbacks in, in the National Football League. And when you talk about guys like Carson Wentz or Dak Prescott, their inaccuracy cost them the games that we played. Because there was at least three throws that, that Carson Wentz missed in the Indianapolis game that would change the outcome of the game totally. You know, but but he he's not as accurate of a quarterback. And I could have been the fact you talk about arrogance. He didn't practice all week, and yet you still rely on. I would rely the hell on Jonathan Taylor, even though he ran over a hundred yards, and they they won the turnover battle. They still ended up losing the game because you had an inaccurate quarterback who was out of sync with his offense. The game against the Denver Broncos, 18-27, 341 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Henry Henry Ruggs, three catches, 97 yards. Brian Edwards, two catches, 67 yards. He, he was throwing it all over the place. Uh, a bu- bunch of guys were getting were getting open and getting touches. Uh, Henry Ruggs also had a pretty big game, I think, against the Eagles the, the, the week before or the week 
after I forget exactly how it all played out. But what I'm saying is, you know, sometimes we talk about this fall off that Derek Carr had, and I get what you're saying. You weapons are only as good as how you use them. But frankly, Zay Jones isn't as good as Henry Ruggs. I'm was. not saying he is, and I'm not, but you, I'm but, not but, saying but, you are. Yeah, but but Zay all. Jones did show his value in the last couple of he games, did. right? He did, no doubt about it. But I still think that man, Henry Ruggs was on his way to becoming a dynamic playmaker for the Raiders and losing that and then also losing Darren Waller, especially when the offensive line really wasn't a strength and the run game wasn't a strength as well. It was bound to happen. And everyone would say, well, Derek and Derek, you know, slid off. Yeah, it helps. It hurts when you don't have a full complement of players out there, the players that you thought you were going to have. And it's not as, as easy as, all right, well, Foster Moreau, you go in there and be Darren Waller. All right, Zay Jones, you go in, in there and now be, uh, you know, uh, um, Henry Ruggs. There was going to be a fall off, and there was. And the great thing about this Raider team, they had a defense that was able to say, okay, we can re- you could rely on us. We're, they're going to have to do it a little bit differently offensively because there's not as much explosiveness anymore. The defense was up to the challenge, Lincoln. Yeah, and again, that's that's why it's a total team effort exactly. that we hadn't seen in a long, quite a long time. Yeah, and that was what was to me really inspiring about this team. Uh, but we will talk more about this a little bit later mm-hmm. this week. Uh, Lincoln Kennedy, thank you so much for everything that you do. You know, I love you, and Appreciate sorry it, about the twenty year reunion. Uh, it, it, hey, it happens. I'm, I'm, I hear about it every year this time. Yeah, exactly. So you want to uh, kick my dog and just you know, go? My, <laughs> well, go uh, go uh, smoke a nice cigar. I'm or, going to do that right now. There you go. <laughs> all right, brother. Thank you very much. See you, uh, d- uh, thank you to all the callers. You guys were great. Uh, Devon Cotton, thanks for everything you do. We'll be back at it tomorrow, four to six p.m. in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor, Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila and Bondra.